and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today, we'll be discussing Season 6, Episode 3, which is titled Green with Envy. The episode aired on October 14th, 1999. Lauren, what was going on that week 23 years ago? October 12th, 1999 is is designated the Day of Six Billion by the United Nations, This symbolic day was chosen to recognize the approximate date when the world population would reach 6 billion. The symbolic 6 billionth person was a boy born in Bosnia two minutes after midnight. Superstar. Daniel, did you have something there? You look Uh, like you were about uh, to say. (laughs) First of all, I want to acknowledge your ability to get through boy born in Bosnia (laughs) without tripping up not even once. That was an excellent read by you. We're professionals Uh, here. But I also have a very vivid memory of, uh, I guess, what would still have been elementary school for me at this point, mm-hmm. um, of getting one of those, like, Scholastic for Kids or, like, Time Magazine for Kids or whatever the, the kid version yeah, of an time adult for magazine kids. Uh, was with a big picture of the Earth on the cover and then the just the number six billion on the the front page like or on the the front cover there like or was it newsweek i think it was newsweek for something, like something like that, that yeah. yeah but it, i just have this very distinct memory of seeing that cover i can see it right now in my head of you know that the picture of the earth and then the six billion number right on top of it so i think we're past seven billion now so neat um superstar the movie based on molly shannon's recurring character mary Catherine gallagher on saturday night live debuts but falls short of taking the box office crown from double jeopardy people just love their crime dramas they're they're crime thrillers and i adore mary Catherine gallagher i'm pretty sure that that movie though is universally considered the worst saturday night live movie ever made yeah (laughs) and looking at it it looked like it had a pretty low rotten tomatoes rating it's it's not it's not great it makes fucking what is it night at the roxbury it makes that look like fucking gone with the wind like it is it is not a good movie even even by shitty movie standards it's not good i never liked the character particularly either because she's cringe humor yeah so of course you wouldn't of course i don't wayne's world is still wayne's world one is still the best snl movie so good i forget it's an snl movie sometimes um and heartbreaker by mariah carey featuring jay-z is your new number one song this is, As, a, this is the first time we've seen Jay Z on the on the on the charts, haven't we? It might be. Fuck if I know. Check the check the Spotify playlist yeah. and see. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but as far as what else was on that evening at 8 p.m., Friends with the episode "The One Where Joey Loses His Insurance." Betty loses America. In America. <laughs> uh, 8:30, Jesse with the episode "Everything But the Grill." At 9 p.m., Frasier with the episode "Everyone's a Critic." And at 9.30, Stark Raving Mad with the episode Four Colds and a Funeral. This week's episode had 30.4 million viewers tuning in. And we are written and directed this week by a pair of newbies uh, and a pair of short timers as well. Um, the Directed by Peter Markle doing his one and only episode. Uh, he uh, also directed the movie Flight 93 as well as multiple episodes of the TV series CSI and The X-Files. And this week's episode is written by Patrick Harbinson, doing his first of three episodes, all I'm pretty sure in this season. Um, uh, His most famous credits outside of ER include Homeland, 24, and Law & Order SVU. I just want to note, if I watch Frasier fast enough, I might catch up to us. Hey, there you go. That's a a goal to aspire to. (laughs) 
I'm in season three right now. I think I can do it. They're short enough episodes. There you go. Only time will tell. Uh, Still no previously on. Uh, We go right into the title card once again. And folks, can you smell it in the air? (laughs) Smell the pain. The heartbreak of this goddamn storyline that I'm that Lauren has noted that she's not ready for. I'm not ready to be hurt. Yeah. This one's gonna suck. Neither am I. But the one, the only, Alan goddamn fucking Alda, y'all. Let's listen to his intro. Hi, I'm here to see Dr. Weaver. She went that way handing out badges. Excuse me? Creativity, accountability, respect, excellence. It's a lot to live up to. Malik, this gentleman's looking for Dr. Weaver. I'll step this way. Hurry up, man. Come on, man. You're going you to be all right. Let's go. Have a seat right here. Hey, Lucy, this guy's got a little cut on his arm. Cut the bitch stab me. What'd she stab you with, sir? A carving knife. Oh, was a damn stick or something. Oh! There goes the owner. Oh, I'm sorry. You're killing me. No, just breathe. You're okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sit down, please. No, no, Get down. Hold still. Hold still. Come on. Don't be such a baby. We can't help you unless you stop. Look at me. Look me in the eye. Hold still. Are you a doctor? Just keep the pressure on. We'll use this to make a turn again. Get his arm out. Put your arm out. Come on around this side. Pump it up to 180. Keep breathing. Keep breathing. Just relax your arm. Okay, 180. Okay. All right, take your hand off. Take your hand off. Hmm. Creativity. That's what it says on your badge, isn't it? Who are you? Gabe, I'm sorry I'm late. Oh, my God, are you all right? Yeah, of course. So get me a couple of curved Kellys and some 3-0 Vicryl, and I'll be even better. <laughs> it's good to yeah. see you. Excuse me. Lucy, this is Dr. Gabriel Lawrence, and he's our new attendant. How do you do? Can I, can I just have Alan Alda talk to me always? I know. He's, he's, he's one of the people on that list, like uh, Morgan Freeman. Keith David. And, yeah, Keith David. I just want to narrate my life. John Cullum. Yeah? Yeah? His yeah. podcast is actually very good. I've heard that. I should listen to his. I've I I listened to a lot of it a while ago, and I need to get back into it because it's he's got some really interesting people on there, and it's also just you get to hear Alan all the talk for free. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, I love his voice so much. His voice is just like a a warm blanket. Yeah, you, you love to hear it. Also, shout out to the Foley. The, oh. the audio people no. with the good Foley work on the blood spurt there. You could, oh. you could actually hear it. We got we got a pumper. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That that part maybe not so much, but uh, an excellent introduction to um a character and a storyline that is as Lauren uh, Lauren and Lizzie both alluded to is extremely difficult to watch particularly if you know where it's going um but is maybe you know save Sally Field maybe the best guest arc the show ever had. Um it, this is just it, it's a masterful performance and it it hits from the minute he first appears like there is no um revving the engines there's no like getting our feet underneath of us he's just like such a pro that he is in from the first time you see him and he's in all that mass training yeah which is a perfect segue into uh i'm sure everybody knows at this point but alan alda of course is playing our gabriel lawrence here uh alan goddamn fucking alda if you want to use his christian name uh, he, of course, <laughs> is most famous for appearing in the television series MASH. Uh, he also appeared uh, recently in the film Marriage Story, as well as The Four Seasons, among many, many other things. Uh, first of five appearances he will be making with us this season. 
And we go right out of that uh, introduction into the intro with Bangs. Uh, three for three this season with the Bangs. And we come out of the intro. Carrie is introducing Gabe to Mark, who does not sound too thrilled to have a new attending on the block. Uh, seems a little bit sort of taken aback by the fact that... Uh, I think it's more that there, there's an, any attending at all. I don't think it's really so much that it's this guy that bothers him necessarily, but... Just the fact that uh, we're getting a new attending and he wasn't consulted kind of rubs him the wrong way. See, and I got the the distinct impression that you know what we know what we now know as viewers going back looking at I get the distinct impression that Mark has heard of that, mm. and that that's why he's particularly angry. Because like if Luca had been made an attending, I don't think he would have had the same reaction. Yeah, but. Possibly. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he does. Uh, I don't think it's here, but he does make reference at some point uh, in the episode to um, Gabe's age mm -hmm. uh, being a potential issue. Um, so, yeah, it could be. And I will say, too, as we go along in this episode, there are a lot of subtle uh, clues. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of subtle clues that if, if you're watching this for the first time, you may not pick up on. But if you're you know like us who are rewatching, they're so obvious. They are slapping you in the face with where the storyline is going to go. Uh, but they do such a good job of kind of hiding their tracks. Um, and Mark is helping a 28-year-old patient who fell off of his bike. We will check back in with both of them a little bit later. Okay. But for now, let's go over to Doc Magoo's uh, where Benton's talking with his lawyer. So Reese might not be yours. That's what she said. Think she's lying? I don't know. I wasn't with her 24 hours a day, you know? Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. She's going to use this against me, isn't she? She can't. Carla had any doubts should have raised him in a petition to determine parentage three months ago. She didn't, so it's moot. It's not a problem. You put yourself through a hell of a lot for this. Maybe you should make sure he's yours. Do a DNA test. No. Peter, you hired me to protect your interests. If you're looking for a way out, she just gave you one. He's not looking for a way out. He likes being Reese's daddy. What's wrong exactly. with that? Also, two things about that. One, Benton... He does eventually relent on the DNA test thing, but mm -hmm. I just, again, maybe it's because I don't have any sort of life experience like this, but why wouldn't you just do the simple DNA test? I think it's because he's so in love with Reese yeah. and he's so invested in this custody situation that there's that part of him that's like, what if I do the test and Reese isn't mine? Yeah. That would just destroy him. And he yeah. doesn't want, he doesn't want to. I think, you know, yeah, yes, they, it would be great to know that Reese is his kid, but it would fucking crush him yeah. to be like, this sweet little boy that I'm absolutely in love with isn't mine, and I've raised him as my own thus far. Like, I don't think he's just ready for it yet, mm -hmm. considering I mean, he just found out the possibility that Reese might not be his, yeah, like, I, a week ago. I mean, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, obviously, for where this arc goes, but he, he does eventually get the DNA test, and it's found out that neither him nor Roger are... Bent or our Reese's father, mm -hmm. so, and I would also like to point out that that lawyer is a big fucking liar. That this will be used against him, and yeah. it will matter <laughs> in several points in the storyline. But yeah, so like I, I definitely think see, that seeing I, I, where seeing where the storyline ends up with right. him still having full custody of Reese and still raising him as his own, even though he's not he's not blood related. Maybe that's maybe I'm just looking through it with think, retrospective lenses. Sure, so. yeah, that's we gotta, understandable. We got to look where Benton is right now in the journey. Yeah, right. And I think Benton is much more emotionally equipped to handle that revelation 
when it when it actually comes, you know, because things look a lot different for both Reese and Benton once we get to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, their lives are much different. Their experiences are much different. Whereas here, this is a very like emotionally vulnerable time for Benton, where he's going through a lot of shit right now, and that could be the thing that like tips him over the edge into like full blown crisis. Uh, then we go over to Carol in Trauma 1 when a patient is rolled in by Carter. I want to note because the trauma room was empty except for Carol. Whose films are those? I would like to point out that we get an actual plausible theory of why there's, there's whatchamacallit. Films left all, all over the fucking films place. Films all over the fucking place later on. We'll get into that later. Yep. Uh, 16-year-old single gunshot wound to the left chest. Uh, Carter has Lizzie intubate while they run the trauma, and this is Joshua Fox. They find out because his name is on his video rental card, <laughs> and they ask to go. They ask Alay to go locate some family. It's like off a of, off a of video card. It's like, it's just, what just we got? Go. Just go. Just go. Um, then we go up to the surgical floor where Romano is asking Corday to move her double mastectomy, presumably Elaine for a hernia that is coming in, and she just goes on this lovely rant about part about patriarchy and medicine and he says okay okay your hormones win and she can keep her surgery slot then corday asks if they can get joshua a bed in the icu and uh carter's again doing a hipaa violation and prying in on elaine's case with corday and he admits she's a friend of the family and then she rightfully just shuts him down then i shouldn't be discussing it with you (laughs) a very good friend of the family based on the end of last week's episode oh la la (laughs) We go from there. Uh, Romano grabs Lizzie out of her trauma. A reporter is being sent over to do a puff piece on Romano and tour the ER. And he has decided to pass it off on her. And he, <laughs> we do get a good Romano line here. Take a look at me. Who would you rather spend an hour with? Um, I love that she concedes that. Yeah. Yeah. I I still like we'll get to the reporter when we get there, which actually there's a very fun little nugget about the reporter. But uh, I this storyline is a kind of a nothing burger a little bit. Like it doesn't, they don't do nearly as much with it as I would have liked. Um, but, uh, from there we go over to Mark working with the cyclist. Uh, he was not wearing a helmet when he was hit. I believe he was hit by a taxi. He said something like, that. uh, something like that. Seems uh, plausible in the city of Chicago. Mark, uh, Mark of course is lecturing him about, uh, how he needs to wear his helmet. And, uh, all the all the while while Mark is lecturing him, the patient is uh, sitting there hitting on Chuni. So mm-hmm. really paying close attention. Yep. And then uh, he does ask because he know because the patient notices Chuni's badge, and he's like, "Why doesn't Doctor Grumpy Pants have one?" Mark's <laughs> like, "I missed out." They do make a big deal out of the badges in the first and few that, minutes of the episode, and that Mark's not wearing one. Yeah, I mean they reference them throughout the episode, yeah. but they're just um, but really that- heavy here. Yep, then we go over to Lucy working on Lauren, who has a broken arm. The spelling, L-O-R-E-N, is very odd to me, but here we are. Um, Kovach, is, Kovach is observing, asks her for any other signs of trauma, and they find out she has several other contusions. Um, and he asks Lauren how she fell, kind of trying to suss out if this was really a fall. And she answer, he says, did you fall this way or this way? And she says, yes. Mm. not picking either options and being very uncomfortable like you can tell she's nervous she's very polite but very nervous um kovach's so, white knight alarm is ringing off is ringing right. off that's yeah <laughs> somebody so. somebody watched the first two episodes of the the season and they went you know what this kovach guy needs first he needs more self-righteousness and two he needs more hair gel 
because my man has taken his <laughs> hair gel budget from the first two episodes and quadrupled it. Like that hair would not move in a wind tunnel. It is so crusty. Perfect for Chicago. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, but th- so we'll come back to that a little bit later. This is kind of their through line for the episode. Um, but then we go over to Carrie and Gabe at the board. She's like, yeah, I know it's messy, but just like here's where you pick like pick who you want. And Gabe's like, okay, I'll go deal with curtain three, whatever. Um, and then Jeannie, Halle, Connie, and some nurse we've never met are all opening Jeannie's wedding gifts for her bridal shower at, at Admit, just in front of everybody. Just sitting there at just opening her stuff because she's about to go off work and get on a plane to New Orleans with um with Reggie. So she's gotta squeeze in her little bridal shower here. Mm. And uh turns out the patient that Gabe chose was uh Mark's cyclist patient. So let's listen on him doing a neuro exam. Right, now open your eyes. Relax. What were the three things I asked you to remember? A dog, fire truck, and Bridget Bardell. Excellent. Yeah. Dates me, I know, but your first love is always your strongest. You must be Dr. Lawrence. Yeah. John Carter, senior resident. As usual, I'm learning how to be a doctor from my patient. Meet Mr. Ullman. Minor head trauma, brief LOC. Can you tell me what reflex would indicate increased intracranial pressure? Blown pupil? No, not a reflex. Yeah. Observe, uh, Dr. Carter. I scratched the thinner eminence, and I looked for ipsilateral contractions of the muscles of the chin. I see none. Therefore, I diagnosed no significant head injury. It's called Radovici sign. You can get dressed, my friend. We'll see about getting it discharged. Thanks a lot, Doc. My pleasure. Radovici sign? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Try it on your next head trauma. I will, if I can remember. All right, got that migraine at four? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll tell you how I remember. Radovici. Sounds like radish. I plucked the radish with my thumb. Oh, I just love him so much. I know. He's so charming. So as we're recording this, um, if you're a patron of ours, then in this month's slot, in the Patreon slot, you'll be hearing an interview with, um, uh, her name is Robin Bronner. She was an assistant director on the show around this time. And um, we were talking about a variety of different things. It was a really cool interview. She had so much cool stuff for me. But one of the things that we talked about, of course, as we usually do with people from the show, is guest stars. And when we had the, when it came to the guest star topic, um, the first name that popped up for her was Alan Alda, and what a absolute like pro he was, and how he was so like gracious with things that like you know, as an assistant director, her main job is like running the set. So like if they fall behind, it's her job to go and inform the people that are now being affected by the the delay that you know oh hey you know sorry the last scene ran long it's going to be another hour before we get to you whatever and she's like that's my least favorite part of my job like i am always like dreading going and telling actors that they have to wait around for another hour and she's like alan alda i go into his locker and i'm like hi mr alda i'm sorry to let you you know previous scene ran long we're running about two hours behind so it's going to be a little while And she was like, he was so nice about it and was just like, oh, that's fine. Can I just have an extra to run lines with me? Because this medical stuff is really like kicking my ass. (laughs) (laughs) So they just like, you know, sat there and like he just had an extra come in to run lines with him and like keep up with stuff. So it's just very like it's always nice to hear those nice things about. And the same thing. um, She said the same thing about uh, she may have even been talking about this specific episode because um, she was talking about how Noah Wiley. Spoilers for a later interview. Um, Noah Wiley um, 
was always like, I don't ever want Alan Alda to have to wait for me. So like always make sure that I'm on the set before Alan Alda because I don't ever want Alan Alda to be waiting for me. (laughs) It's just a very cool, very cool thing. It sounds like it was an amazing experience for everyone involved. But we go from there to uh, Benton taking Reese into the uh, Peds ER where he's uh, running a little bit of a fever. And we get to see for the first time, uh, you know, three episodes in, we get to see Cleo and Benton being paired up for the first time. Uh, I don't know if that was always the plan to stick these two together, but it certainly was uh, kind of a like, oh, shit. okay, we're already kind of putting these two together on screen. Uh, Looks like Cleo's taking good care of him. Uh, Reese also has a gross ear infection and Cleo mentions uh, somewhat cryptically to us as the audience, obviously not to her, but that they often run in families. Uh, Cleo offers to keep Reese in the PZR uh, until his temp goes down. So. Uh, and then we le- we then quickly see uh, Carol asking Randy if they found a bed for Joshua in the ICU. More to come on that. And uh, we got our next audio clip here for you. Mark, Mark is wondering where the hell his cyclist patient went. Johnny, have you seen my bicycle guy? Isn't he still in curtain three? Spandex butt? Yep, he was discharged by GL. Who's GL? Gabriel Lawrence. All right, the good-looking older guy. I just saw him going to the lounge with Dr. Corday. So a Frenchman... Dr. Rene Lenek, rather than press his ear to Mademoiselle's magnificent breast, rolled up a newspaper instead and used that to, you know, to listen to her heart. <laughs> Voila, the first stethoscope. <laughs> Voila, the first sensitive male doctor in history. <laughs> Dr. Green, you know who invented the stethoscope? I don't. Did you discharge one of my patients? I don't believe so. Uh, Mr. Ullman fell off his bike. I wasn't aware he was your patient. Well, he was. I'd ordered a head CT, which he obviously didn't get. Don't worry. I performed a thorough neurological examination. He didn't need a CT. He had a loss of consciousness. Put him at risk factor for intracranial hemorrhage. Minuscule risk. I gave him a head injury instruction sheet. If he has any warning signs, he'll come back. He lives alone. If he slips into a coma, no one would know about it. This isn't like New Western. County patients tend to be a little less reliable when it comes to follow-up. I'm aware of that, Dr. Green. That's why I told him to call me in four hours. Let me know how he's doing. Difficult for Mr. Allman if he's passed out on the kitchen floor. Dr. Corday, what would you do? Uh, well, uh, without seeing the patient, I'd really rather not. Uh, I, I, I'd like to know. What'd you do? Fell off his bike, had a loss of consciousness. You did a complete neuro exam? Yes, he was alert and oriented. Full balance, recall, normal reflexes. How long was loss of consciousness? Less than two minutes. Did you visualize the fundi? The disc was sharp. I think Dr. Green was just being very thorough. Sounds like a no to me. Look at it this way. We just saved Mr. Ullman $800. A for accountability. Right. So the A... The A in the badge stands for accountability, but also stands for an ass, which is what Mark is being. <laughs> a little bit. Just a, just a touch. But I do really like the chemistry, the kind of mm-hmm. adversarial chemistry between uh, these two. Like, they, they play off of each other very well. Oh, for sure. And yeah. I just love his, like, but did you really? Did, did you? And he's like, we just saved him 800 bucks. It's fine. Yeah. I, do, I also enjoy the excessively British way that Lizzie says, Thara. 
Farrah. She's just been on her British mannerism game these first three episodes. Loathsome Toad. Creates an entirely new word out of thin air. Uh, I would also like to point out here, uh, because I sent it to both of you in the group chat as I was watching this episode, mm-hmm. we have a spectacular bit of set dressing in this episode or in this scene here. Because uh, usually when there's like anytime they're in the lounge or anytime like food is visible, like we've pointed out, like the candy bars and the candy machine and like soda cans and stuff like there's always like kind of like fake brands of stuff. And this is sort of along those same lines, except that this was a real cereal that existed. <laughs> real. I didn't even know it was a real. cereal. Oh, yeah, it was real. Flakes, for, yeah. for better or worse yeah so above uh, right above uh i think it's mark's shoulder on top of the mm-hmm. fridge is this spectacularly framed box of flutie flakes uh which if you're not familiar with flute doug flutie was um a quarterback in the 90s for a variety of teams he played in uh, the nfl the cfl he was basically he was kind of a college football legend a little bit um he was mostly like his big claim to fame was that he was short like he was just like that was like the novelty thing about him was that he was the short quarterback um and he for a brief time had his own line of cereal called flutie flakes and for some reason they decided to put them in this scene i don't know who on the set design team was either a doug flutie or just a football fan and decided to put that in there but i just thought it was so funny that we usually get these fake brands or like these like things that they've obviously made and in this case they were just like i ah, just throw a box of flutie flakes up there and see if anybody notices crunch bars <laughs> yes the crunch maybe they were already discontinued by this point so they mm. wouldn't have to really pay anyone for use maybe of branding so. maybe so there's just so much in the scene i love it um but then we go over to carrie talking to the dcfs rep i believe this is adele right? yes yeah yep um, presumably about Jeannie, when Mark grabs her to interrupt, and he complains about Carrie hiring Gabe without any input from him or giving him a heads up at all, and he goes, it's called respect, Carrie. It's even on your stupid badge. Ooh, sick burn. Sick burn. What the fuck, Mark? A for ass. Yep. A for ass, a.k.a. <laughs> is Mark Green. Uh, then we have Carter walking into the surgical clinic to find Elaine and... She goes, I asked you to leave me alone. And Jesus, Carter, fucking leave her alone. Um, And Carter says he's here for her. And it wasn't just about the sex. She says, well, it was for me. So go away. I don't want to go away. I hate men. Like, it kind of was just a little bit about the sex until you did it. Until you did a HIPAA violation. And now now you feel a little bit, like, obligated. Dirty. It's just like, come on. Like. This is weird. This was already weird, and you're making it weirder. Just go away. If somebody says go away, go away. They're not being coy. They don't want you to try harder. If anybody says no, or go away, or stop, or I don't want this, or leave me alone, go away. They're not interested. No means no, people. At any time, no means no. Lizzie, can I touch your shoulder? Why? Just... Okay. I was gonna. You were supposed to say no. I was gonna say okay. (laughs) What an amazing. I was very confused. Swing and a miss on that demonstration. (laughs) You were supposed to say no, and then I'd go okay. It's you, so why wouldn't I let you touch me? (laughs) To illustrate a point that at any time from anyone, consent matters. This PSA brought to you by Charlie Brown and a football. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I hate everything. So that's how Lauren's and I is going. Uh, let's go over to the other one. 
Uh, Lucy's looking at Lauren's x-ray with Kovach, and he has pulled her old X records and x-rays, and she has a ton of healed fractures and old evidence of blunt trauma. Again, the white night of the alarm is, like, you're, it's bursting your eardrums with how loud it's going off in Kovach. Um, Lucy just leaves her x-ray up on the board, and this is how Who's Films with Those happens. Doc's just walking away, walking away from their, from their confidential medical records. It's not my just job. Leaving them on the boards. Yeah, just leaving that evidence of trauma and abuse up for anyone passing by to see. Sounds like it's a, not even a whole lot of not my problem. Because it's not even in one of the in the curtains. It's just in the hall. It's one of the hallway boards that they're looking at yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. She's so been to several other hospitals multiple times with each with ER visits specifically. Um, for her various injuries that are evident. Uh, and Kovach doesn't want to send her home. And then, oh, fuck, the husband has shown up. Polly. Polly. Played, played by actor Andrew Rothenberg, uh, who appeared in stuff like Stranger Than Fiction, The Watcher, and Save the Last Dance. Is this guy in Super Mario Brothers? Don't think... <laughs> I don't think so, despite what all of his appearances would uh, lead you to believe. He does have a little bit of a greaseball look to him that he would I fit right swear in. He, I could swear he's one of the Koopas before he's before there's transformed. It's entirely possible. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie, but I do not. I feel like I would have like zeroed in on that because that is one of my like problematic, stupid movies that I will go to. He's but... not, who am I thinking of? Damn. Not that. Damn. But he's definitely no hates that guy. Um, and he also looks like a slime bag. And he says she lost her footing hanging drapes in their bedroom. And Lauren said, Ugh, this guy is so good. Why did you say Cause that? Because he's so good at being a slime bag. Yeah. Fair enough. He, he does he does sort of nail that vibe. Uh, but we go from there uh, back to the admit desk where Lizzie uh, asks to talk to Mark when she gets immediately interrupted by Romano and his reporter, Paula. Uh, she's wearing scrubs, some of the old pink scrubs, which I thought was kind of a nice mm-hmm. continuity bit that like they dug up some of these nasty pink peach scrubs to toss her into just to let her blend in a little bit. Um, and Paula here is played by actress Christine Tucci, sister of ah. Stanley. Uh, oh. So we're the Tucci is loose a solid uh, eight seasons before he would actually show up. Tucci game, Tucci game, Tucci game. Yeah. He is the guy from the Hunger Games. <laughs> now I need to watch that. Damn I've it. I've never heard the extent. I've only just heard the Tucci Gang part. I've never heard the extended version. It's uh, good. So uh, Christine here has been in stuff like Big Fat Liar, Private Parts, and CSI. It's some of Pete Davidson's best work on SNL. You already it's, you already lost Jake. Jake has yeah, already well, checked out. It's okay for Jake to be wrong. We exactly. allow it. But it's, it's an excellent piece. Go watch The King of Staten Island, everyone. It's a fantastic movie. It was good. I don't know if I'd go fantastic, but okay. it was good. But it was it's worth your time watching. It's worth anyway. your time. Anyway. Jeannie walks into Trauma 1 with Joshua's cousin, and Josh is now on a ventilator. Um, and Josh looks up at the cousin wide-eyed when the cousin walks in, and his stats start spiking. And Carol tells the cousin he needs to go step outside while they stabilize him. Gabe comes in and asks how he's doing, and... Joshua is frantically miming that the cousin was the one who shot him. He's just shakily getting his his hand up in, like, the finger gun motion. And Carol's like, oh, shit, <laughs> that was him. Um, she calls security, and the cousin bails, runs over a gurney and knocks it over, whips out a gun, 
and gets in a shootout with the security guy in the middle of the ER hallway. And everyone um, tries to cover their patients and each other. So everybody's looking out for each other during the shooting. And Malucci comes out of the elevator after the action has passed to see all the broken glass. And he is very confused. Because he's like, puts a piece yeah. of gum in his mouth, turns the corner, and he's just like, the fuck? Also, excellent work to all the people who I'm sure had to perfectly time the, mm-hmm. the whatchamacallits, the, all the windows and glass oh, yeah. being destroyed. That was excellent work there. The choreography of all of it? Yeah. Um, so the security guard was a gentleman by the name of Joe McGinnis, who was shot in the abdomen, or so they think. They all worked to stabilize him in trauma, too. It was like, oh, get him in three IVs, get up all this blood down here. Turns out he didn't actually get shot. He actually just cut his hand and bled on his shirt when he fainted. <laughs> Which is a nice little misdirect. I kind of I kind of like that, where they, they they go into this big dramatic trauma scene, and then it turns out that... And I like how it's Gabe who just like peels off his gloves, and he's like, no, he just fainted, and then walks away. And he needs sutures. And Malucci runs in and is like, oh my god, what is he? Does he need a chest? Credit, like- credit where credit is due. That was a very good comedic take from Malucci. Credit mm-hmm. where credit is due. Uh, but we go from there. Uh, Carrie tells everybody to run an audit on the equipment to make sure nothing was broken. Seems like everything was o- everything is okay, that there was no collateral damage. Uh, we don't get really get any time to take stock of anything because uh, the next trauma is coming in. A uh, motor vehicle accident, SUV versus truck. Uh, a family, basically. A 38-year-old man, wife, and child were also in the car. Um, everybody seems stable so far. Um, of the three family members, the only one that is really of note here is the husband uh, or father, Mr. Bradley. Uh, he's played by actor Eric Anderson, uh, who appeared in stuff like Friday the 13th, the final chapter, uh, which is, of course, as horror movie franchises go, not the last movie in the Friday the 13th series. Uh, Unfaithful and NCIS. He has 102 credits to his name. Uh, David, the little boy, uh, we find out that the truck driver ran a red light and the parents who have that sort of, uh, what did Sarah on 302010 call it? Bistro chic. Like they kind of have that nineties rich people vibe kind of coming yes. off of them with the blazers yes, yes, yes. and the turtlenecks, uh, nineties yuppies, nineties yuppies. Uh, they kind of have that vibe about them. They seem itchy as hell to get out of this gross, dirty County hospital to get to their own fancy doctor. Uh, this is where the poors get their medical care. Yeah, there. it's like that. It's like that couple in Best in Show. Who met yes, a uh, Parker Posey and her husband. In that Thank movie. you. I couldn't think of. They met. They met while uh, one of them was uh, flipping through an LL Bean catalog at mm-hmm. a Starbucks, <laughs> and the other one was, was was across the street in another yes. Starbucks. Right. Oh my god, I love that. I movie. need to. I need to rewatch that movie. Oh, that movie. Can we so find cool. an ER reason to watch that movie? There's got to be an ER reason. There's got to be one. Let me think. Hold on. Hold on. Let me think. Let me let me not derail you. Let's continue on and All I'll right. look it up. Um, so, yeah. So, they just seem itchy as hell to get out of the hospital and get to their own doctor. Uh, we'll check back on them a little bit later. Uh, Lizzie goes to check on Elaine, who looks very distressed um, and has had a change of heart and wants to cancel the surgery. Hmm. For what it's worth, I do really like... Corday and Elaine together. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. if Elaine is just a bad idea of a character, she at least has good moments with Corday. Yeah, as a None as a Carter. as a None with Carter. one episode character. If it had just been like uh, I'm thinking something along the lines of that um, musician that uh, th- with the he had like what was his thing? 
it was something to do with his sexual function, like his prostate or something. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the symphony The symphony person. guy. Something yeah. along that line where Corday gets to just be empathetic and, and, you know, really coach her through it and make her feel better about it. That could have been great. We could have had a that, – that could have been a, a contender for, like, guest star of the season at the end of the season. But instead they decided to do this weird bullshit and stretch it out over five episodes. Sometimes you just want to put softcore porn on broadcast TV. See how far you can push it, I guess. Exactly. Uh, let's go back down to Jeannie and Reggie on their way out of the ER. They give give her a giant bundle of flowers, very sweet. And she's like, how the hell am I going to get this on the plan? Like, <laughs> uh, Carrie pulls them into the lounge and aw, Adele is there with Carlos. And Jeannie finds out that they get to take Carlos on a temporary basis until she can get certified as a foster parent, even though Aww. she broke the law. <laughs> no more... Ah, no more. So there's no more wedding in New Orleans, and now they get to do a, a courthouse wedding. Aww. I love the like complex range of emotions on Reggie's face too, where he's like, you could tell that like he, you know, it's not tag with Tatiana back in season one. Like he is, he's legitimately excited that they're getting to adopt Carlos. But you can also tell that he kind of wishes they got to adopt Carlos next week. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, he kind of still wants like to go was- to New Orleans. <laughs> He was really looking forward to partying it up and spending a week with his now wife. Right. Like, I feel for you, Ridge. I'm just still looking over here trying to find somebody. But for now, um, Mark is talking to Gabe, asking him to sign up on the board when he's seeing a patient to avoid any further confusion. And Gabe says, oh, paperwork. You can run, but not hide. And he's um, treating a teenage girl named crystal who's in lots of pain presumably from a sickle cell crisis because you know she's got sickle cell anemia and daniel who plays the parents yes our parents here mr and mrs powell mrs powell is played by actress verilyn jones who appears in the tv series southland and seinfeld uh, and will return to us in 2008 as another character so we'll see we'll see mrs jones uh not not the one from the song, but different Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones. Uh, we, we will see her in about a decade. Wrong. I know. I was making a joke. <laughs> I know. Uh, and then Mr. Uh, Powell here is played by actor Greg Daniel, who appeared in stuff like True Blood, General Hospital, and Beverly Hills 90210, 109 credits to his name. Um, and, yeah, Gabe gives Crystal pain meds, no issue, because he's like, yeah, of course, you're having a sickle crisis. Why wouldn't I treat you? Let's make you feel better. And um, when Chuni walks out of the room with the order, Mark leans over and adds some additional tests to her chart because he thinks something else might be up. Also apologize for our, if you hear banging in the background and our neighbors are doing their nightly wrestling matches or something. I, don't know. I think they must. I think they must have a dog that they're playing with upstairs. But I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it's fine. Then we find out Polly the slime bag wants to leave with Lauren before more gangbangers start shooting up the place. Uh, Kovach asks him to fill out some additional forms in the next room. And when they go in the next room, Kovach tells Polly that he thinks he's mentally ill and has security detain him. They put him in restraints for involuntary admission. And Lucy tells Luca that they have no criteria to hold him. This will not hold. This will not work. See, as someone who has uh, nightmares about this happening to me, it was 
like, come on, Luca, there's better ways to handle this. There's so many better ways. But a total Doug Ross move. Like, yes. Which it, we, we sort of joked a little bit. I can't remember if we've if we've really talked about it. I, I know we've touched on it, but, like, how they basically just took Doug and, like, horcruxed him into, like, three different characters, like, split up all the various parts of his personality and job into three, three different characters. And you see it really in this episode where like Luca's on his white knight bullshit. There'll be a moment a little bit later where Cleo gets to really like go full hog heaven into, uh, you know, advocating for a child. And then you also have Malucci doing the like clueless walk in at the end of a fucking disaster. Like <laughs> which him, that, mm-hmm. that, that move of him coming out of the elevator after all that chaos and stuff and looking around, that's a total Doug moment. Like that, that could have easily been Doug Ross instead of Malucci. Uh, so it's just like th- there's no better illustration of how they took Clooney's personality and kind of just like scattered it across these three characters than in this very episode. And then we go over to what, what prompts is prompts me to say that Elaine is actually good in this episode if you didn't have all the rest of the bullshit attached to it. Uh, Elaine and Corday are walking by the river and they're having a very heartfelt conversation and she's scared about the surgery and doesn't want her breast tissue to just be thrown in the trash and be, to be replaced with a, another with just a blob of silicone. Um, Lauren has pointed, given a finger. I found one. Go on, finish your thing. Okay. <laughs> uh, and she says, "I can't imagine feeling any. I can't imagine feeling anything, and I can't imagine how anybody else will." So she's she's worried about being intimate with someone after after something like this, which is, I imagine, which is. I can't imagine. I can't imagine having to have that done. Mm-hmm. Like that's a very real problem for people who you know have been forced to undergo that type of procedure. Like it's a that's a whole aspect of the of the process that doesn't really get talked about as much, and certainly I'm sure wasn't talked about as much around this time. Like yeah. it's probably much more of an open conversation now than it would have been back then. But yeah, that's a. I mean, they kind of recommend that you go through like you know therapy and stuff to like work through all that shit because you Mm -hmm. have to it's creates body image issues and stuff and huh yeah yeah no that just meant just the timing because my mom my mom had breast cancer and she had to have one of her breasts removed unfortunately and she did a lot of therapy around that time yeah it's like the one time in her life i've seen her go go to therapy Hmm. yeah the whole thing the things the things you never think about yep because they never have because they haven't happened to you but yeah she's having a crisis about who she'll be without her breasts and asks elizabeth to just cut it all out at that point just go do as much as you need to do just get the cancer and just be done with it lauren did you want to share with the class what you found yes on a completely inappropriate and unrelated (laughs) note um actor jim piddock from Best in Show, who played, uh, oh my God, where where was it? Who did he play? He played Trevor Beckwith, one of one of the slightly smaller characters, but one of the trainers, I think. Okay. Um, but either way, he was in a 2002 episode of ER called Chaos. There it is. So we've got our there. He was in he was in Chaos. Okay. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes. There you go. So we yeah. have our connection. We can the season nine premiere. Canonically, we can do a, a Best in Show as a, a movie okay. review. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm ah! sure that'll go over great when we're, when we're like, and who's the ER cast member from this one? Oh, the guy, the, he was in one that episode, one guy fine. from the season nine premiere. You when remember we're, when we're in, 
when we're in slim pickings, we can go to best in show. I get, I'm sure I can find some others. I guess so. But. Uh, we go from there back to Crystal. Gabe is telling Crystal the benefit of the sickle cell gene is that it protects people from malaria. Uh, and coaches the parents, tells them to give her lots of fluids and uh, bring her in if she has any more pain. Uh, so he kind of lets them know that they're free to go. And as he's walking out, Mark asks Randy if the uh, labs have come back yet for her. Uh, and as so far, nothing yet. But stay tuned on this one. Uh, then we go over to Lucy bringing the psych attending down to talk to Luca about Polly. And um, the attending says they can't hold Polly without the wife admitting what happened. And the attending and Luca go to talk to Polly in trauma too. Lauren asks them to release Polly and Luca chews him out and starts like, I mean, like, you like it when you hit your wife? Did you stomp on her chest? Is that how her ribs were broken? Because that's how you'd have to break her ribs. And he just like keeps going, trying to egg him on. Yeah. Are you, does it make you feel like a big man? <laughs> yeah. All the stuff. Yeah. And then Lauren actually yells at Luca to shut up because she senses the oncoming storm and Polly decks Luca knocks him over and screams that he's going to kill him in right. front of security and the psych attending and Lucy. Yeah. There's still no way that's holding. Yeah. And they talk about that. They do yeah. get into yeah. that, but still, so does provoke him. And Luca probably deserves a little bit. A little bit. I mean, he is definitely poking the bear for sure. I would just like to say yeah. though, if you're going to punch the doctor so that he has a visible mark for the rest of the episode, please punch him in the eye so that we can have the black eye instead of it looking like Luca has a cold sore for the rest of the episode because <laughs> the makeup job is just not my favorite for the rest of this episode. Uh, and Crystal's blood test finally came back and uh, Mark and Gabe go to chase Crystal down and tell her and her parents down uh, the icon, which as we know is a pregnancy test, um, came back positive. And that's, that's all Mark says. Mark doesn't say pregnancy. Mark just says the icon was positive. And Gabe, uh, which prompts like Gabe is like, oh yeah, no, hell yeah, you need to come back in here right now. I really want to hear Alan Alda say hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Oh hell yeah, you got to come back inside right I, now. I will let you know as I get back to my uh, very beginning of pandemic mash rewatch once I finish Frasier. Well, I guess it's watch because I've never watched it before. But as I go through my mash in four years, um, I will let you know if there is ever a documented thing of him saying there hell you go. yeah. We got to get that. We got to get a clip of that. I'll, I'll do what I can. <laughs> we go from there back inside uh, at chairs where David's parents are there with their personal physician, uh, a doctor who I believe his name is Jake, Dr. Jacobs, I think. The, there was a, a, discrepan there was like a that, discrepancy yeah. between the IMDb cast list and the subtitles, but I think it was Dr. Jacobs. Uh, they're trying to get David transferred, and uh, Cleo doesn't want to move him yet until tests are completed. So, And the doctor's giving her a bunch of shit about this. Uh, and our doctor here is played by actor Todd Sussman, who appeared in stuff like The Taking of Pelham 123, Blast from the Past, and Beverly Hills Cop 2. He is our high water. Uh, oh, hey, it's that guy for this episode. 142 credits to his name. And I saw him and immediately thought, I was like, well, we have Tamira Morrison at home. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a little bit of a like discount Boba Fett look to him. Yeah. I also want to point out these tests, she estimates it would only be like a half hour. It's not like they'd be waiting for four hours for these. Right. But the pores. Yeah. He might get, get some pore on him. But then we find out Crystal's pregnant. She's 12 years old. She has a fetus in her fallopian tube, not in her uterus. And she needs surgery now because that is dangerous. It could rupture. It is not good for anybody. Um, 
and after you know they get it resolved and they say yep we'll go up for surgery whatever um Gabe and Mark walk out of the room and Gabe's like what are you checking up on me and Mark's like I'm just looking out for patients I feel like they kind of glossed over the whole pregnant 12 year old thing as- yeah, aspect a bit. of this they're, like they're yeah. just like they're like but well, she's 12 and it's like yep okay we got to take her to surgery bye mm-hmm. like <laughs> and then uh david is asking cleo about video games at the other hospital and oh look who could have seen this coming he starts to crash and not only does he start to crash they need to take him back to trauma and benton starts yelling out give me a thoracotomy tray so, gotta crack his chest wide open. Mm. I like the way that, I, I don't think it's here, I think it's a little bit later, but, like, uh, Cleo says, you know, if you'd have just listened to me, we wouldn't have had to have ripped this child. So, mm-hmm. Like, something about the way she said it, it was just like, uh, uh, like, the foley and the, uh, just not a great, not a great feeling to listen to. Uh, but we go from there to uh genie and reggie are at the courthouse now uh, with randy as their witness which i just love that that's one of those little like canonical bits of er trivia that like who was the witness at genie and reggie's wedding and it was randy much like reese being delivered by delamico like who who would pick those out um they're supposed to be waiting for uh carrie as their second witness uh but she is a little bit uh tied up uh, and so they all side-eye the UPS man. I just want to point out here that I know he is canonically in the Shadow Realm at this point, but this would have been an excellent Jerry moment. Like, having yes. Jerry show up at the 11th hour to save the day as the witness would have been like, yes, please. I would have. This also feels like a very Timmy moment, too. Yeah. Any any number of uh, that th- you could have slotted in any number of like old friends here that would have been just a perfect kind of little moment. I mean, hell, there could have been. I, I would have loved a story where like Jerry, it turns out, is like ordained and could have done the mm-hmm. could have done the service for them in the hospital. You know, mm-hmm. like that would have been great too. Uh, but we go back. We see Carter and Benton working on David. Uh, Carter asks Benton to kind of mentor him and walk him through. Uh, what they're doing here and the just as they're having this conversation the the reporter comes in to record the trauma and mark kicks her out pretty promptly and i'm pretty sure that's kind of is that the last we see of the reporter or does she come i think there's like one more little thing later potentially but this might be this is kind of what i'm getting at like they we, we met her with lizzie then, like, it, it almost makes me wonder if there's a deleted scene involving the reporter. Because, like, we meet her with Lizzie or a little bit earlier. Then there's this immediate escalation to this kind of at the point where you've forgotten about her. And then maybe one other little moment and then that's it. So it's just kind of kind of weird. Uh, but Carter isolates the leak and all is saved. Really good. It's another one of those really good friend moments. Yes. Like, friend mentor moments with Benton and Carter. Because Benton's just... Yeah, walking them through it perfectly, and they are just ah, just knocking it I out. I love the two of them. Love the two of them together. Let's have a wedding. Do you, Reginald Moore, take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife, to live together in the state of matrimony, to love her, honor, and keep her through health, sickness, and prosperity, whatever your future might be? I do. Um, I think he needs a feeding. Yeah. Okay. And do you, Jeannie Boulay, take this man to be your lawful wedded husband to live together in the state of matrimony? 
to love him, honor, and keep him through health, sickness, and prosperity, whatever your future might be? I do. <laughs> Aww. Mm-hmm. I still don't buy it. I, I mean, I buy it in the sense that this was always kind of where we assumed they would go. It just it is happening a little bit faster and a little bit more more condensed than we would like. But, uh, you know, at least the officiant, the officiant is just absolutely fucking done with he everything. Is, he wants to clock out and go Ooh, home. Yeah, He's done. he does not want to want to deal with this kid anymore uh which speaking of the officiant he is played by actor benjamin lum who appeared in stuff like another 48 hours and star trek next generation and unfortunately did pass away in 2002 so. is he our first uh person who's passed away as a in, in this no, in this episode not in this episode <laughs> in the yeah no 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 no, in this yeah, episode. Because usually episode. Yeah. by usually by now at this point we usually there's like two or three yeah. or something. Yeah, the I curse like. is the curse is slowing down. This is the first one for the episode at a half hour in. Yeah. But uh and I I want to point or I not point out, but I like I just want to go on record as saying like I'm definitely one of those people who like babies crying does not bother me. Like I have to unless I'm like already feeling shitty and like I already have a headache or something, that might do it, but just as a general, so there are people like spoilers for when we get to I don't know season thirteen or fourteen, whenever it is that yep. Abby look everything. People get a real fucking bee in their bonnet about that kid and crying, and I never get it. Like I just don't no. get it at all. Like babies crying does not bother me at all. Yeah, I'll 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 own up. I took my headphones out for this one just because I'm I am feeling a little gross tonight, and I did not need that in my ears. But in general, it's fine. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if I complain about Joe in four years. It's not like it's ever going to be my kid. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, golly. There's layers there, There's folks. There's so much to unpack. There's there. layers there, folks. So then, Lizzie and the reporter are discussing the nature of this being a teaching hospital, and Lizzie's like, "Well, the students have to have mentors. They have to practice. They have to get hands on, or else how are they going to learn?" And the reporter says, bit tough on whoever they're learning on, isn't it? And she says that they don't appear well supervised. What the fuck? Carter had at least four mentors in that room while he was doing this. Like, did you see how closely Benton was working with Carter right there? You cannot get any more. You cannot be more well supervised than what Carter was. The most well supervised he's been in five years. Right. Right? And it's also a little disingenuous to call Carter a student at this point when he's a resident and can do stuff most for the most part on his own yep um but then mark gets snippy that lizzie lost the reporter downstairs and didn't keep her under control uh kovach and carol are talking about Polly, and he says that it's hopeless and you know lauren's never gonna get free of him and carol says it's not as hopeless as you might think she didn't go home with him she went to the cafeteria with lucy cool Um, there's nothing worse to the way that this storyline played out than it actually getting resolved the way Kovach, than Kovach actually getting the, what he wanted out of it. But he didn't. We don't know what's going to happen. Like, like we don't, yeah. she could just go home. She might've just wanted a snack. That's fair. Like, uh, then we find out David has been stabilized and the family doc, the family's doctor goes to shake Cleo's hand and she just like psych dip, dips it, ignores it, does not shake his hand and she says she regrets being pressured to move David early because, like Daniel said, they could have avoid, avoided ripping a child's chest open. 
it only would have been made better if she would when she uh, rejected the handshake if she would have done like the one like oh and the, like <laughs> both her hand put her hand over her hair and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and Corday goes to check up on Elaine in recovery. Uh, there's no evidence of the spread of that the cancer had spread. So hooray! And she says they can begin reconstruction in a few weeks. Um, she's going to test test the lymph tissue to make sure that the can to confirm that the cancer did not spread. Um, and Corday gives her her personal number again, very heartwarming, very right. warm, very nice. I mean, heartwarming, but like yeah. very warm, very nice. It, it would work. Very good rapport between the two of them. It would, it would be an excellent, like character building little one episode arc for Elizabeth and a memorable kind of like, oh yeah, you remember that lady? Like she did a really good job when she came in for that one episode. But instead they decided to do four episodes of weird and one episode of like, uh, she was fine. Like, <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, missed opportunity. Too much of a good thing. Um, but we go back from there back to the admin desk. Uh, Carrie informs Luca that he is not needed anymore uh, because Gabe is there. So they won't be needing his services as a moonlighter anymore darn guess we'll have to cancel the next eight years of episodes then uh, <laughs> uh just as they're having this conversation or just as they finish up we see in the background over their shoulder uh Polly and lauren just walk out the door so kovach did not get what he wanted out of this uh little affair uh lauren goes home with the abuser uh but no time to absorb that as a 17 year old is brought in with two gunshot wounds uh, they bring him into the trauma room. It's uh, mainly Mark and Gabe working on this one. They go for a bilateral chest tube, one for Mark and one for Gabe. I like how Mark is like, can we get two chest tube trays? And Gabe is like, ah, we'll share. Like, he's just, he's so charming. He is so charming. Um, Mark is still, like, we haven't really adequately emphasize what a little bitch mark is in this episode like he the a stands for asshole. every at every step of the way and it doesn't really matter who he's dealing with whether it's carrie or elizabeth or gabe like he's just kind of just an ass digging his heels yeah in. uh so he's not thrilled with how gabe is and the trauma uh they need benton to come in to assist gabe jumps in to assist on mark's side and he uses a Foley calf to put pressure on the wound from the inside. And he says it is, quote, an old army trick, which I love. That is uh, just a mm, chef kiss little, like, wink and a nod line that I love to his mash days. But Yep, and then uh, Carter goes up to check on Elaine, and he's looking at her through the window of the recovery, like, ward, and Shirley sees him up there and tells him he can go in and see Elaine if he wants. And he walks away. And Good the storyline ended and we never had to think about it again. Oh, damn it. There's two more episodes. <sighs> oh. But then we have Lo Luca walking down the street and Carol offers him a ride in her mom's car because she had to pick up some baby stuff on the way home. I don't know why I wrote that as homie, <laughs> but on the way home. So he's like, I don't, I don't know. That's a death trap. And he, she's like, it's my mom's car. Just get in. That's a station wagon. Yeah, but like, he's, he's like, what the fuck is that car? <laughs> he like freaks out about it. Right. He's, he's like European. Like he's used to seeing little yeah. tiny Fiats and stuff. Like he doesn't know what a giant American car looks like. This is an American car. God, God damn, damn it. it. Fucking foreigner. Wow. <laughs> oh boy. 
It was a joke. Oh, I know. We we are just hitting them out of the park tonight. So we go from there to a very sweet little scene of Jeannie and Reggie shopping for baby supplies in a store, and he grabs the tiniest little baseball mitt and is like, hey, why don't we get him a baseball mitt? And she's like, he's nine months old, you freak. Like He's like, well, it's never too early to start, and he just wants to get him all the little toys. Like You can see Reggie like kind of taking to the fatherhood thing very quickly here, and it's it's a very sweet moment. Being a proud pop-pop. All right, well, let's go to our last audio clip of the episode. Uh, Mark and Corday are on the L platform. Elizabeth, I wanted to apologize for uh, being abrupt. You mean rude? Yes. I'll think about it. You know, you could apologize, actually, for that crap about the head CT. What? No way on earth am I going to apologize for that. You put me on the spot. Yeah, but I expect you to give the right answer. The right answer? That Lawrence is still bugging you, isn't he? Well, just because he can diagnose somebody without having to order every test in the book. He may have some fancy moves of trauma, but he doesn't know how to function in an inner-city ER. You're afraid you might learn something. He's too slow. He spends hours with every patient, and then he ties up the residents, chattering on about the Radovici side. The what? You don't know about that? No, what is it? I don't think I should tell you. Mark? Yeah, just a little note. They're at the Harold Washington Library stop. It's a very picturesque little state station. and Van Buren. Yeah, that it is, and it's it's right by my old college, so I'm very familiar with that area. But being that this is kind of where we leave uh, the last mention of the the Gabe stuff for this episode, we didn't really like touch on it specifically. But like, there are little moments in this episode that if you're watching it for the first time, you will just kind of glance past, and once you know what you're in for with this storyline they become much more glaringly obvious like there's that moment towards the beginning of the episode where he is kind of staring at the board just a little too long like try and they kind of pass it off as like he's trying to work out carrie's system Mm -hmm. and then there's another moment a little bit later on where he comes out of one of the the it's not a trauma room but he comes out of one of the exam rooms and he forgets where the admit desk is and somebody has to like go like hey we're over here like kind of like you know he's a new guy in a new place he doesn't really remember where the desk is that's at least the way they portray it but again if you're watching this episode in hindsight you're like oh fuck he doesn't remember where the admin desk is like this is gonna this is gonna kill me to watch yeah i'm gonna be a mess for the next so i was just i was i just didn't want to like go past without pointing those out because like it is a really good job of subtle storytelling of like you know maybe I guess you could have sussed out where this story, because you know that a guy like Alan Alda is not joining the cast forever. You know, right. you know that nothing, th- th- he's not a permanent character. So they're, they're going to have to go somewhere with him. And where do they go? You know, is, are they going to kill him? Are they going to, you know, whatever. And this, it, you probably could have figured out where they were going to go, but they do a very good job of just kind of subtly dropping those ble- breadcrumbs. I am, I'm not ready. I'm going to be, it's it's going to destroy me because it's, it's going to be so close to watching what happened to my dad yeah. and my grandmother. Yeah. I think, I think, I think everybody, whether they've dealt with it directly or with a family member or, you know, a, a friend or something, everybody I think has got some kind of personal connection to a storyline like this. And that's what makes it so, you know, difficult, but also good too. Like it's, it's a kind of universal, universally relatable experience of kind of, you know, watching somebody, a brilliant doctor like this, you know, kind of just watching him slowly deteriorate. It'll be fun, guys. We're, we're going to do great. Um, but then we go over to Benton feeding Reese in Jackie's kitchen. So I guess he did move in with Jackie. 
Um, and he asks Jackie if he got ear infections a lot as a kid, but she doesn't remember. She does say he was always sick and, you know, coming down with stuff in general and that that might, maybe that's why he went into medicine, but she was like, yeah, I don't know. I was your, I was your sister, not your mom. I don't know if you had ear infections. <laughs> and it's very sweet. She goes to take Reese up to bed and goes I to talk I know. To I love how much she loves Reese. Like, you can just tell that she it's just so eats good. him up. So good. Love baby Reese. So then we go to a little bit of Luca's, like, canonical backstory that I had sort of forgotten about and I don't think really holds true for very long. Uh, but he lives on a boat. <laughs> and I don't know that this is a part of his story that they really retain for very long. Um, it's certainly not something that lasts long term in his story. But, like, I was, like, when I watched it, I was, like, I guess I sort of remember this. But I also kind of have no memory of this whatsoever. <laughs> it felt a little bit strange. Because Carol drops him off at some docks, like, and you can see the skyline in the background, so they are way outside of the city at this point. Uh, and she's like, "You live on that?" And he's like, "Yeah, I said it was on the water." <laughs> like, <laughs> and uh, she's like, well, "What do you do in the winter?" And he's like, "I go south, just like the birds." So we'll see how long Luca's living on a boat. Uh, we'll have to keep track of how long that's part of his character's backstory. And then we round out the episode with. Sig- a sexy scene, but significantly less weird than our last week's episode. Just Mark and, Mark and Corday in bed together after sleeping together. I believe this is the first time we've seen them in, in bed yep. together. Yeah. They're having some they're yeah. having some pillow talk. Yeah. But yeah, they don't gross they don't gross us out like Carter and Elaine in the previous episode. They have chemistry. Yeah. yeah. And it's not shot like a, you know, Skinamax movie, like it is yeah. yeah, I love how he does the, the Radovici thing on her, and he's like, nope, no serious brain damage. You're just stupid enough to sleep with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a very solid, I mean, a very sweet moment, a very sweet way to end what was a very solid, you know, above average episode, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, lots of stuff going Honestly. on, but they, they, orca- they, uh, they execute almost all of those things uh, very, very well. Yeah, this is this is another one that we occasionally talk about where it's like it's not in the pantheon of the best episodes of the series, but this is one I'd go back and rewatch. Yeah, yeah. just individually, give it's it, very good. Give it an eight. Yeah, we have an eight point five. Mm-hmm. Of we're off to an extremely strong mm-hmm. start. This I would season. yeah, I would say argue maybe other than season one, which kind of starts off with a couple of as I recall, episode two was not very. We didn't like episode two very much, but the pilot and episode three are both. It was still finding its voice. The pilot and episode three are both like all time great episodes. So like other than that, I can't really think of another season that has started off this well so quickly. Like this one has had three back to back to back kind of at least good, if not great episodes. And if you're going to go back and rewatch one of the Alan Alda episodes, like why not go back and watch the beginning of it and just be just like bask in his charm and loveliness and don't worry about all the stuff that comes afterwards. Like, just yeah, just totally enjoy fine. him as he is being charming and witty and wonderful. What do the listeners have to say about it, Lauren? Uh, we start off with Audrey T. says, Well, this was a cute kid episode. Todd Reese and baby Carlos. Adorable. Never understood the mash hype, but I do like Alnalda. And good on you, Cleo, for telling off that doc. Franner W. says, St. Mark with his knickers in a twist is my least favorite Mark. I know that ultimately his doubts about the new attending come to a heartbreaking climax. However, he has a proper arsehole about it here to a new team member. Unfriendly, pissy, sanctimonious, ugh. At Basic Mall says, I mean, Alan Alda. 
he actually once filmed a part of a film in an amusement park by me. It's a good episode, but I don't really think much of it. I'm happy for Jeannie, especially with Randy and the UPS guy as witnesses. I mean, the smile on his face and oh my goodness, I want Elizabeth's dress. We also see Shirley and I'm always happy when we see her. Jackie just sassing Peter. I love Jackie. Oh, here we go. Here we go, Lizzie. This one's for you. At SMB for the win. Lizzie's nemesis says, this is a short reply since we're still on the road and I'm waiting for my, on my Domino's order. This is a short reply? <laughs> Just let it happen. But the smile that that baby Carlos puts on Jeannie's face is wonderful. We also get a fantastic start with Dr. Lawrence, whose story arc I always enjoyed. Poor Benton, though. I'd like to have a bus hit Carla. Wait. But I would wake up and choose violence if I were Benton and found that out. Just saying. And then we get to Lizzie, 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 Lizzie. This is not your finest hour wandering off for long walks with patients while a, report is running, a reporter is running amok around the ER. Yikes. I got some secondhand embarrassment from this storyline. And we continue... And we continue with the embarrassment. So embarrassed to sleep with Mark Green that you can't even take your bra off. I don't blame you, girl. Makes it easier to grab your clothes and run when the regret inevitably sets in. But I'm not going to be too upset with a scene that gets us Alex Kingston in a bra. No one is. No one is. I mean, she's a 10 and he's just not. I'd rather go back to the shirtless Romano scene from season 4. At least there were muscles to look at. Anyways, yay for season six. I can't wait to catch up on this week's podcast when I get home. And this pizza better show up before I get hangry. Wait, Mark shirtless already made me hangry. (laughs) Y'all are going to cause a divorce up in here because I have to read these awful anti-Mark Green things in front of Lizzie. It's okay. I don't shoot the messenger. Hey. Uh, at full-time dads at the full-time dad says and we're here the start of arguably arguably the best guest arc in the show's 15 season run though sally field might have a say but before that let me just give one huge middle finger to carla reese the fact that she would wait until a potential custody battle to tell peter that reese might not be his is very unseemly and tacky fuck her back to the episode Alan Alda is masterful as Lawrence, down to the heartbreaking details of his dementia in later episodes, and his first offering gives us all the charisma, charm, and wisdom that endears us to him and makes his decline so painful. I'm pretty sure this was the first time shots were actually fired in the ER. Peter sprinting to find Reese, shades of his brisk jog to the trauma room ten episodes later. The reporter, yikes. All sorts of ethical issues with how she did her biz. Speaking of ethics, Luca totally crossed the line with the wife beater, but baiting him into that punch was a great moment that gave us some more insight into the international man of mystery. But given what we know about Luca's hands in later episodes, that guy got off easy. Season 7 to 9 Luca would have knocked his block off. As an aside, Law & Order would use this device in a 2009 episode called Skate or Die. We also learn a little bit about Cleo and her character starts off so promising. Finally, Jeannie getting custody of Carlos and marrying Reggie was a chef's kiss moment. I hate that Jeannie's time on the show is almost over, but having her go out on a high note was well-deserved. Overall, this was one of the best busy episodes of the show's run. Lots of action, well-paced, and you learn a lot about the new characters and how they'll fit in the ER. Except Dave. 
F Dave and Elaine. Not a fan of that storyline. <laughs> he he does mention something in here uh, that we didn't really talk about very much, but the the moment of him uh, when the shots are fired, the moment of Benton running to get Reese in the uh, daycare or in the the PZR is uh, it's very good, and it is very much like it does echo sort of what we will see uh, when we get to All in the Family. Like it's very very similar moment all right that's about gonna wrap up our episode for today thank you all very much for listening as always the show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast for only one dollar a month you can get access to our show notes each week and for only five dollars a month you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk jerry two week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews some big stuff coming down coming down the pipeline uh, and over 30 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives at that moment, movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and, and flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, and we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone community on Facebook, which I believe Daniel said just has just over 200 members mm-hmm. now. Yep. Our theme music, as always, is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u.el. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Uh, they can find my cartoon face on our merch store, which you can find through our, uh, what is it, our link tree? Link it's tree. Our, it's our bonfire store. Yeah. So yeah, if you want a, a shirt or a mug with the Who's Films or those cartoon design or the STT logo, you can go there. I don't talk about it enough, and it's really neat, and you should go buy some stuff because it's really cool. Mary, I'm not talking to you. Don't buy any more shirts with my face on it. Hey, you know what? <laughs> she is a grown woman. She can spend her money however she wants. <laughs> I'm kidding. We love you. But yeah, it, they're fun. I, I have the mug for my office. It's excellent. All right. You can uh, find me on Twitter. I'm at Random Gamer. That's J-A-M-3-R as well as on the Popular Courts YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect 2. New episodes of that are out every Friday and you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash the Popular Court. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time and have a great week. Hi, future Daniel. All right. Hello. Oh,